This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today our guest is Tim Hetzner and Tim is the president of Canine Parish Comfort Dogs with Lutheran Church Charities. And Tim and the incredible dogs of Canine Comfort Dogs have been really busy in the last couple of weeks, bringing love and companionship to the survivors of the Boston Marathon bombing and the massive explosion that happened in Texas recently. And Tim is going to talk with us today about the incredible work he and these canine angels have been performing. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Tim Hetzner to the show. Sit, stay, we'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets. Struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com and come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today. Available at amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Tim, and welcome to Working Like Dogs. Well, good morning, Marcy. How are you? We're great. And we're so thrilled that you're here with us today to talk about the amazing work that Canine Parish Comfort Dogs has been doing. You guys have been really busy over the last few weeks. Oh, more than the last two weeks. We've been, uh, we were also a couple of years back to Joplin and uh, just about every place there is a natural disaster or a crisis situation that occurs. So, uh, Well, tell us about the program. How was it started? Well, we started the ministry in August of 2008. Uh, and it was a response out of the disaster work that we do, deploying volunteers out on disaster situations. And we saw the incredible power and, and uh, healing effect that uh, animals serve with people. And so in August 2008, we started with four dogs, we used all golden retrievers, and we placed two dogs in churches and two dogs we kept internally. And it just exploded. Where today we have, I think we're at 70 dogs here now in seven different states and uh, continue to grow. That's wonderful. And are you still just using golden retrievers, or do you use other dogs now? We use all golden retrievers. Yeah, would we? Uh, 
found that this was a, a good breed. They're uh, they're lovers. <laughs> the yes, they are. Yes, and, they uh, are. And so uh, we used all it. It was easier for us to manage. We have our own breeders and trainers and, and all that. And so it was just easier with us using all Goldens. Yeah. And uh, they work good inside and outside also, which was a key plus for us. And they're uh, uh, one of the more acceptable dogs with people uh, that don't have dogs. So it's it uh, all in all works well, and they're a smart dog. Yes, they are. My second working dog, Morgan, was a golden retriever. So you don't have to tell me how amazing they are. (laughs) Yes, they are angels on earth as far as I'm concerned. Yes, they are. And Whistle's half golden. So, yeah, they are incredible breeds. And so you say you have your own breeders. That's amazing. And all of that is through your nonprofit? Right. Lutheran Church Charities is the ministry of Lutheran Church Charities, and it's a canine comfort dog ministry. And we, uh, what we do is we, uh, by breeding and training, our own training program, and then we place dogs in churches and schools and then train handlers. So all of our dogs are trained to work with multiple handlers. They're owned by the church then. We own the vests, and we keep a strict uh, performance level of the dogs so that uh, they uh, behave and know all their commands. They're trained and certified actually as service dogs, but we don't use them as service dogs. But because that's one of the highest trainings for a dog, we that's part of the training that we take them through and then complete that training with the specific situations that where they're going to be placed in. And then when our when there is a crisis like uh, the bombing in Boston or tornadoes, whatever, or the explosion in in West Texas. We uh, deploy dogs that we had placed out into those situations to serve. We're in Newtown. We were actually in Newtown on December 15th. The shootings were on the 14th. And we've had dogs in Newtown ever since and still serving Sandy Hook Elementary School in that community. It will at least through May. That's dogs so wonderful. There. Yeah, that is so wonderful. Well, and so you said that it's a service dog training program. So are the trainers employed by you or do you partner with another organization to get the training? We have all certified trainers that we use and then uh, have a certified trainer that trains our trainers with the dogs. And then uh, so they get certified that way. And then the dogs then go out with multiple people to see that they can. Not all dogs can uh, accept or work with uh, multiple handlers. And so those that cannot, we don't keep into the program. So our dogs have to work with all age groups. They have to be able to work with disabilities, hospitals, nursing homes, any situations uh, like that. Have to be able to fly, do elevators, escalators, all of that, which would be situations in which they might be deployed out into, or when they're not deployed out, they're serving in the community where where they've been placed. Well, this is just so wonderful. I'm so happy to hear about this and and to learn more about it because it sounds like such a sophisticated program that you have because I know what goes into training service dogs and that's a lot of of work and effort to make sure that they are ready to be in all of those public access kinds of areas that can be very stressful and intense for them and, and all the things that you were just mentioning. So that's so amazing that the Lutheran Church has has taken this on as a project that's awesome. Yeah, Lutheran Church Charities, we're uh, connected with Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but we're a, a faith-based ministry that, that serves everyone, I mean, particularly in crisis needs. But our dogs are primarily placed through our Lutheran churches and schools or institutions or colleges with the dogs. And how do people become handlers? Well, when a, when a congregation is interested in getting a dog, they submit an application. We review that to make sure that it's 
and that they're going to go out into the community with the dog so it's not a church pet. And if that, if that gets approved, and then uh, next they identify handlers within their church. We then screen those handlers to make sure they're not just not good with dogs but also good with people. And then we do the training and the ongoing uh, training and support for those handlers and the caregivers. Each of our dogs has two caregivers. One is the primary and secondaries. That's where they go at night to unvest and be a dog and be groomed and uh, play ball and do all oh, those yes, fun things. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and, very uh, important. Yes. You betcha, you betcha. And uh, because we don't kennel our dogs. So the secondary is in case the primary is going to be gone on vacation or just needs a few days uh, break or whatever. So the dogs are you know, trained to can be in multiple locations with, with a caregiver, but we have two caregivers. Then uh, the handlers uh, allow a number of people to be able to take the dog out into various situations that the community has called them into. We never go into any place with our dogs that we're not invited into. So we don't just show up at a disaster. It's because we've been invited in generally through one of our churches that are there. Like in Boston, First Lutheran Church was about four blocks away from the bombing. And so they they called us right when that happened and asked if we could come in with comfort dogs, which we, within 24 hours, we were there with dogs. Yeah. I was wondering about that, if you went by invitation and if it was the local churches that extended that invitation to you guys. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. do it all by invitation, and then that local church many times will have us take the dogs. Like in Boston, we went into the hospitals and saw most of the victims that were in the hospital had lost limbs or were injured. And so through that congregation, went into those places and then uh, out into various things that were invited into uh, through that church. Yeah. How do you train your handlers for these situations? Well, the handlers are, are trained. One is, you know, just the handling and the commands of the dog and, and how to be the alpha and how to care for that dog, how to learn the dog's levels of stress because, you know, you can only work the dogs for a couple of hours depending on the situation. But, you know, you, as you know, dogs take on the stress of the people that oh, are yes. getting it. Yeah. So uh, we don't want, you know, we're not out to burn out dogs. And so we want the care of the dog to be there and for the handlers to, to know the dog that they'll be handling. But then it's also on how to protect the dog. Uh, it's also dog etiquette on what to do or not to do. You know, we never position our dogs when we're out in an area where people have to walk by the dogs uh, in case there's people that have fears of a dog or allergies. So we're always off to the side. We always protect the uh, backside of the dog so that they don't get spooked or, or surprised. And then the handlers also are trained in how to listen, <laughs> how to listen well, to people. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about, how you train your handlers to deal with these intense situations and how they can be appropriate and know what to say to people who have been so traumatized. Do you train them in trauma? Well, you know, one of the, the one of the major things, because the purpose of our comfort dogs, you know, they're not therapy dogs, they're comfort dogs, is to bring comfort to people. And part of the healing process is for people, no matter what crisis they're going through, maybe it's a flood bombing, whatever, or it can be a personal crisis of divorce in a family, a loss of a loved one, all kinds of it. Everybody goes through personal crises. And the key is not so much what you say to them. The key is presence. And the key is to show unconditional love. And the key is to allow them to talk, allow them to share. And what we find over and over is no matter what age, they'll many times talk to one of our comfort dogs before they'll talk to a person. And they'll share with the dog what took place. 
We saw that in Newtown. Many of the children, before they talked to anyone else, they said, I'll talk to the dog. And so they, they start petting the dog, and then they start talking to the dog. And, of course, dogs are wonderful listeners, and they show that unconditional love, and they're confidential, and they don't take notes. And so they're great, in a sense, for counselors. And our handlers are taught to not to you know, explain to people why something happened, because I'm not sure there is an explanation. They're there to listen. There to help them process what has occurred to them so that they can begin the healing process. Yeah, that's just so lovely. I mean, and I I certainly support what you're saying. Let me tell you, Whistle knows all my secrets, and it is so great that he does not share them with anyone but me, which is really, I mean, that is such a gift that's really hard to explain mm-hmm. to someone that the depth of that and what it can mean to people, yeah. which is just so beautiful that, that you guys are doing this work. How long do you usually stay in a community when there's been a, a disaster? As long as we are needed. As long as we are needed. Now, in Sandy Hook, in the Newtown situation, we were in and we had 10 dogs present into the high school. And then when Sandy Hook opened up and then we brought it down, now we have two dogs that are out there and by their request. And as, as long as the comfort dogs can be used and needed in helping people recover or to heal from what has taken place. We have them there. And many times also what what we find is and what we do, if there are counselors on site, which in schools and because we get called in when there's suicides in high schools or colleges or we were just at Bull State in Indiana who had five suicides this year. We don't take the job of the counselors. In fact, what we do is we bring in a tool for the counselors to use. So like in Sandy Hook, many times I'll bring a student down to be with a dog and our handler is there but we let the counselor do their skill we're not there to to replace their job or do their job because they're the ones that are were there before the crisis and they're going to be there after the crisis so yeah uh, although some of our handlers are counselors they're not being a handler in order to practice their counseling skill uh, we'd let that for the counselors that are there so our handlers are trained to be quiet. <laughs> to, yeah. to, uh, <laughs> that makes the job easier. To yeah. And to ask, or, you know, to talk in open-ended questions so that people can help process what they're going through. Yeah. And do you rotate handlers in and out when you stay in a community that long? Because I'm sure it's probably hard for some handlers to be away from home that long. Yeah, we'll rotate handlers. We also rotate dogs. Uh, so generally, you know, we'll bring out dogs for a week and then bring in another group of dogs in for a week and or cross over so that we, you know, have, we'll have three or four dogs out and then, you know, keep one of them there and then bring out a few more. Uh, we rotate the dogs around. And the same way with the handlers, uh, with a dog that they're working with, uh, we'll have many times two handlers will come out with a dog. One who, you know, handles the dog and one who's who's there to just kind of uh, help people or to listen to people. And to also, depending on the situation, also to look out and protect for the dog. You know, in some situations in disaster response, like in Joplin, when we were out actually in the field in Joplin, uh, you have to watch out with the dog so that they're not being walked into a dangerous situation. And with Joplin, we had dogs out there for two months, and then, then Joplin asked to get their own two dogs placed permanently there, which we did. Jackson and Louie are the two that continue to serve that community in Chaplin, Missouri. Oh, that's great. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and keep talking with Tim and about the incredible work that these dogs are doing. 
We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Tim Hetzner about canine comfort dogs. And Tim, before the break, we were talking about the training that you provide to your handlers and to the dogs. And one question I wanted to ask about that in addition is, what's the time frame for your training? How long does it take to train the dogs and the handlers? Well, the the training of the dogs, we have uh, trainers that, that volunteer their time in the training of the dogs. And that takes, we start training between five and eight weeks of the puppy. So we start early. We start the first screening process with the puppies to screen a litter to see which ones are most uh, likely to be good comfort dogs. And so that's, those are dogs that are relaxed. Then in the training process, that trainer works with that dog generally about eight months, sometimes nine months, depends on the dog, to make sure it has all its commands, has been exposed to various situations, all of that. Then we do the second part. And that also then certifies them at that point with as being a certified service dog, which means the skill level. We then uh, bring in um, multiple people to work with that dog so that they get used to or see how they adapt to working with multiple people in handling them. I expose them to the various age levels from small children, sometimes infants, all the way through uh, elderly people with Alzheimer's, people with mentally handicapped situations, hospital situations, nursing homes, any type of thing that our dog might be be exposed to or be asked to come into. And in that process, then, if they pass all those tests of being able to work with multiple handlers, then we uh, take the steps of placing that dog in one of the churches that have applied to get a dog. And how do people volunteer to be a handler? Do they have to be a member of a Lutheran church in order to be a, a handler? No, we have both. You know, we work with the congregation or the school or institution that we're placing the dog in. You know, we give some guidelines on what type of people to look for. So they do some selection. We then review those that they select uh, to make sure that, you know, they have the greatest potential to be able to work with a dog. And then we come in and and work with them to do training on, on a, how to handle the dog and also how to respond in, in various situations, how you position the dog, and how you actually are able to share the mercy and compassion of Christ with people in a way that's, you know, we don't proselytize. That's not what we're about. But if people want to pray, we'll, we'll pray with people. All our dogs, by the way, have their own business card, which has their, <laughs> which has their face on it and, and a Bible verse. And all our dogs have their own Facebook, email, and Twitter account. 
Of course they do. Yeah, <laughs> which, which, you know, people say, well, that's cute. Well, we don't do it just because it's cute. We do it because it's in, its, in an extension of somebody's with one of our dogs and has petted it and has talked to it. This gives them a chance to continue to follow that dog and to set up another appointment with that dog. And many times people will message or email uh, the dog a question. And of course, we humans have to respond for the dogs on the things that they're struggling with. So it extends that relationship that was developed because of the dog or the bridge. We refer to the dogs as a bridge in helping people. Yeah, so as it you said, it's another to tool. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, tell us about the cost because you've talked about a lot of things that you're providing. How do you cover all the costs involved in this type I of service? I keep wondering that. <laughs> How do we cover the cost? <laughs> well, we are a not-for-profit Christian ministry. So, first of all, wherever we go to serve, so in Newtown or Boston, we never, ever charge the people that we serve. And we rely on donors to help us pick up our, our travel expenses that we have in going into some place. But we never charge the people in the situation or ask them or allow them to even pay. We do that as a service. When a church is getting a dog, we share with the church the cost, the expense of the dog, what's been invested into the dog with vet bills. And we've been able to keep the costs down because... We have so many wonderful vets, veterinarians that work with us that either don't charge us or just the basic cost of, of what they're providing. And so the church then, in getting the dog then, once everything, we've identified handlers and caregivers and all that, uh, the church then basically is paying for the dog so that we can get the next dog and go that next process. So we don't make money off of it, but we hopefully don't lose money off of it so we can keep going in what we do. And we have we have people that donate just to support what it is that we're doing overall as a ministry with dogs as, as that tool. We then do a service of what we call a passing of the leash, where we then you know turn that dog over to that congregation or school. And but we own the vest. And what that means is that we will periodically, uh, and that periodically means more than once a year, check up on that dog and make sure that the dog is maintaining the standard we have of what a dog should be at. So that, you know, if the dog starts barking or growling or jumping up on people, we pull the vest. At that point, then the uh, church has to, you know, send the dog to boot camp to get it back into shape uh, with it. But we're very, as you know, with any dog, you know, you don't just train a dog and then it's trained for life. Right. It's, it's an ongoing process. Yes. It's an yes. ongoing. It's like kids. I mean, that, yeah. it's no different. And yeah. so we want to make sure that they're doing that. And we want to make sure that, you know, the handlers are supporting that. And if a handler starts out good but then is getting lazy with the dog or giving bad habits to the dog, we ask the person yes. that can't be a handler anymore. Yeah, so, I know. Whistle and I have to get recertified every year and a half for that exact mm -hmm. same reason. I have to make sure I have to prove that his weight is good, his health is good. That's right. That he can continue working and we have to do our public access in my house and out in public to make sure that he is still performing at a level that allows him that public access. And it sounds very similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. And our dogs, you know, our dogs don't do treats. 
We have them on a, a strict diet. We tend to use one line of dog food with all of our dogs that, that's very healthy. We have a group of veterinarians that are consultants with any dog that we place. Uh, we have guidelines such as, you know, the question always comes up is, well, how long can you work a dog? I mean, how many years? And we always say, you know, the industry standard is eight years for a service dog. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we have some dogs that are nine or older that are still working. But we, in working with a church or a school, the agreement is that the veterinarian makes the determination when the dog retires. Yeah. Yep, and if they differ with a veterinarian, then they can uh, appeal and go to a group of veterinarians that we have as consultants, and they can review it. But it's the veterinarian that makes that decision because the veterinarian is always looking out for the best interests of the dog. Right. Whistle has a team of people that support him, and definitely the the veterinarian is a huge part of that, that that is monitoring their health over the years Mm -hmm. because it, it is hard, and they do get a lot of stress on their bodies because of the work. So, yeah, that's wonderful that that you have that much structure to your program that you're providing that oversight and and maintenance. And what happens when a dog is determined that they need to retire? Well, when the dog needs to retire, then uh, we actually have a whole list of people that are willing to take one of our retired dogs. I bet you Uh, do. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a list of people that are willing to take any of our dogs that don't make it all the way through the program and are willing to take those dogs because they're good dogs. They just, oh, excellent. Just, yeah. Generally what happens is you may have a dog that just doesn't work well with multiple handlers or a dog that, you know, just really doesn't care for young kids, uh, you know, that you know, doesn't bite them or anything like that, but they just kind of, they don't like to hang with young kids, which is fine. Uh, but the, a dog like that can be placed with an elderly person and, and do just fine. Yeah. So. Yeah. I always tell my friends, if you want a really great dog, get on a waiting list for a dog that doesn't make it as an assistance dog because, and I've had friends do that, and boy, do they get some incredible dogs that, that oh, gosh, yeah. change their family's life. Yeah. Well, I was also wondering, because you were talking about all the costs for the dogs that goes into that and, and how you, you respond to that, but what about the costs for your handlers when they go into these communities? Are they responsible for those costs, or do the churches provide that? How does that work? Well, it depends on the situation and what we're going into. If we have donors that have given us money to travel and to put us up going into Boston or wherever, then that comes out of that money to provide their expenses. If we don't, then they pick up that themselves, either individually or in most cases, the congregation or the school uh, sees it as part of their mission to, to cover their costs. Whenever we go into a situation, we usually stay at, at hotels, not expensive hotels, but uh, hotels that are pet friendly and uh, have grass. So we usually stay in, in hotels, so not to impose on people in that community. Plus, the dogs need time to be down. And, yeah. And yeah. we found if you stay in somebody's home, there's a lot of unknowns. Maybe they have a pet that barks, and we can't have that because it keeps yeah. bad habits. And uh, or they have kids, and they want to, you know, be up till midnight petting the dog. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The, the dog has to know he's off work at some point, and so do the handlers. <laughs> right. Way, exactly. So. They they need that. Yeah. In right. order to prepare themselves for their work the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I know that with Whistle for sure. He's got to have that downtime where he can play and and relax and sleep really soundly. <laughs> and we usually, whenever we're out, like in when we were out in West Texas or in, in Boston or Newtown. When we deploy out with dogs, we usually have one of our trainers that come out with us 
And the trainer's job is if, if the trainer the senses in the dog that they need a break now, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So they look out for the best interests of the dogs. And we always have a vet lined up that either travels with us or is in that community that's on call for our dogs. So if there's anything that that comes up with one of our dogs, we have somebody to go to right away. And that's what they do. You know, they, because you know, we tend to get wrapped up in the, the handlers sometimes, wrapped up in serving people. And, of course. And all that. Uh, and, but at the same time, you know, the dogs have to have their breaks when they need it. And our trainers are very keen on knowing when those should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job at preparing them to watch the signals from the dog and to mm-hmm. really be sensitive to that, which, which, boy, I know I can tell when Whistle's getting stressed out in a heartbeat, but mm-hmm. it, it takes time to develop those skills. And, and it is a skill that you have to really learn it and be aware of. Well, just like in the morning, before we go out in anything, whether it's when we're out in a crisis situation or a dog in its own situation where it's placed, we always uh, have them run through the commands with the dog and be sensitive to the fact that sometimes a dog wakes up in the morning and it just doesn't want to work. It doesn't want to be with people. And uh, they're no different than humans. Yeah, that's right. And and so what we say is if if you run into that situation, your dog just really doesn't want to do any of the commands, doesn't want to work, don't drag it out. (laughs) Just call and cancel the event and reschedule it because, you know, respect the dog. It it means it needs a break. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I tease Whistle and tell him, He's not a morning puppy because he. When we wake up in the morning, he looks at me with one eye open, like, "Do we really have to get out of bed now?" Yeah. You know yeah. what we find though with most of our dogs, they're up and they want to work. In fact, yes, they do. a few times when we, you know, a dog may not be out for a day or two, they're anxious. They want to get out there. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they love it. And that's they a beauty of golden. Yes, golden's yes, just is. love people. They just they do. do. They're just people pleasers. That's really mm-hmm. what they are. And they do it with such an open, giving heart. It's just the most beautiful thing to observe. Yeah, it is. Well, tell us about one of your most memorable stories or experiences that you've heard from your handlers or that you've yourself experienced. Oh, I could, how long is your show? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, well, you know, and I'll start with, well, just off the top of my head, you know. In Newtown, you know, we were, you know, some of the students that were, that witnessed the shootings or teacher being killed after that did not talk to anybody. And just the stories of, of kids, one boy in particular, you know, his parents, you know, drove him to school and he didn't want to get out. And he saw the comfort dogs and he says, if I can be with that comfort dog, I'll get out. And so that's what they did. And the boy just, you know, started petting the dog and then hugged the dog. And shortly after that, the parents are standing there with her handler. The boy started whispering to the dog what took place and told the dog and started, it started the healing process. Yeah, um, yeah. In Boston, we were with uh, a lady in the hospital that her leg was damaged. She had surgery uh, and then she had a second surgery and we had word and asked if we could bring the dogs up to see her. She was just tired and wasn't sure she wanted to get up out of bed and start walking again. And so the comfort dogs came in, spent some time with her, and she says, okay, now if they can stay here, I'm going to try this. And she took one of her first steps after the thing uh, with the dogs there with her. 
Boy, I tell you, Tam, that gives you a reason to get out of bed every morning, doesn't it? To know how you're impacting people and making such an incredible difference. You know, advice from dogs to people. (laughs) Dogs, you know, dogs have a sixth ability of empathy. They can tell when somebody's hurting. Mm -hmm. We see this all the time. They now they're they're trained not to approach people, but they'll nudge the handler, and you Mm -hmm. can tell who they're looking at, which means. And so we, you know, if we can, we invite the person over if they want to pet the dog. And boy, they're right on target every time. Yeah. But the advice, the number one advice that our dogs give humans is to bark less. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's two words to live by, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you so much. And, and we just really, you know, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for your the change that you're making in people's lives. I mean, it's just so inspirational. And, and these dogs, wow, it's just really awesome. Can't thank you enough. And I want to ask you one last thing, and that is how can our listeners get more information about the program and how they could make a donation or, or get it to come to their community? Well, they could go to the uh, website at LutheranChurchCharities.org. And uh, there, you know, we have a whole section you click on, and that's all of our dog ministry. That talks about uh, all of our dogs. Or they can go on the website. You know, they can go to caninecomfort.org, which is also a direct link right to the dog's website. Or to any of their Comfort Dogs pages, which is the first name of the dog, Comfort Dog. So it's uh, Jackson Comfort Dog or Howie Comfort Dog. or We've got 70 dogs, so they're out there okay. like the dogs. <laughs> So, and we have galleries of pictures of uh, places where we're at and uh, all the different things. You know, I was just on the phone with uh, one of our handlers for Moses, who's out in Cairo, Nebraska, who was down in Waco and has been out to Boston. So, and uh, he's getting a he's getting a humanitarian award this Saturday and is on some TV show tomorrow. So they were just telling me that <laughs> what Moses was up to. Terrific. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, these you know. You have to get used to being a handler that people don't remember your name. Tell me about it, Tim. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's the story of my life when I'm out people are hollering, hey, Whistle. Oh, and and what was your name again? Yeah, I know. (laughs) And if you go someplace without your dog or one of the dogs, they're going, where's your dog? (laughs) That's right. The dogs are the stars, as they should be. As they should be. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for being with us. And we'll definitely have this website address on our site so that our listeners can get more information about the program and these incredible... I call them canine angels. So thank you so much. Thank thank you for what you do also with your show to bring awareness to all the different things that God's creation is doing through dogs. Thank you. Well, and thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And thanks for all your emails. We love hearing from you. So please keep those coming. And you can email Whistle and myself at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much. And we hope you'll come back and join us soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.